Well, good morning. What a beautiful day out there, eh? The sun is shining, and uh, the summer is still in play. There's still time to enjoy the beauty, the gift of a Canadian summer. And um, this summer for us, uh, I think I mentioned a couple of weeks back that we added a member to our family. And I wanted to show a picture, actually. This is our little, this is our little guy, Finley. Yeah, Finley's a good boy. He's uh, 15 weeks old, and he is bold and um, sometimes mildly aggressive. <laughs> he's, find, he's finding his place in the family, the pecking order. Where do I fit? Uh, but anyway, maybe sometime he'll make a guest appearance here. You never do know. Um, but I just wanted to show you my new dog, uh, our new dog, and we're loving him very much. I shared my grief with you when our dog passed in October, and so hearts become whole, healed somewhat. This dog will never be chased, but he's a good boy, and we love him a lot. Um, yeah, so we're wrapping up our series this, uh, this morning, uh, Honest Expressions, based on the Psalms. And uh, I hope you've been tracking with us, either online or in person. And um, the pastoral teaching team have been doing a great job working through the, uh, this, the book together. And so we're going to finish today. Uh, we'll take some time to look at Psalm 13 together. Uh, but before we do that, we'll catch you up. If you happen to be new to us today, I usually take about 30 minutes or so, or whoever the teaching pastor is, to help us with a, um, a good, helpful, applicable biblical teaching that um, can come with handles for you for Monday morning. And um, so Psalms are, are intended to be companions of ours that we take with us. They have served the Jewish and Christian communities over the centuries in remarkable and wonderful ways. They are incredibly relatable. If you've ever gone through an experience in your life that was hard or challenging, maybe the, the dark clouds rolled in and you had a hard time finding the sunlight, uh, the Psalms can be incredible companions, almost like they were written for you. At least that's been my experience. And uh, so David is the author of uh, many of the Psalms. There are other contributors, of course, but David was a poet. He was a shepherd, and he was known as the shepherd king of Israel. Um, the Psalms are um, prayers. They are songs. They are complaints and laments. They are expressions of gratitude. Uh, they uh, include a host of honest questions. And so today we are going to take a look at this idea of honest questions can lead to quiet confidence. And our faith as a Christian community is not afraid of questions. Um, our God is not afraid of questions. In fact, as I have um, argued many times over the years here at King Street, that on the other side of an honest question holds out the promise of a more authentic and deeper faith. And so um, we are invited actually by the Psalms to ask honest questions. And so we'll take a look at a few of them this morning that are found in Psalm 13. And um, what, I, what I love about David's story, he is the author of Psalm 13. What I love about David's story is that David was um, someone who experienced um, critique or criticism from his siblings. Uh, he was looked down upon by his older brothers. Um, David was harassed and pursued by King Saul, who was abusing his power. Um, David made some tremendous missteps that are recorded in Scripture. Um, he slept with another man's wife and then arranged for that man to have an untimely death. Um, 
David asked questions. David was also described as a man after God's own heart. He was familiar with many of the um, difficult, challenging seasons of life that many of us experience along the way. Uh, Sometimes the challenging seasons can feel overwhelming, and maybe that's where you find yourself today. Or maybe you feel like life couldn't be any better for you, and it's just a wonderful experience where you are being immersed and saturated in God's goodness and blessing. Um, We gather on a weekly basis. The rhythm of the worshiping community is it doesn't matter what your experience is of life. There's an invitation for us to either celebrate the goodness of God or lament our own pain or to ask honest questions, but always invited to lean in to a God who is for us, not against us, to a God who is forever with us, regardless of the circumstances we face in life. So David was familiar with many, many um, personal disappointments and personal pain. And um, I wanted to invite you to recite with me one last time our passage to ponder, which is Psalm 139. And if you're able, would you stand with me? The first four verses and then verse 24 will serve as our passage to ponder for today. And it's the form of a prayer. So would you join me by reciting this? You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. Search me, God. Know my heart. Test me and see my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. The word of the Lord. You may be seated. So Psalm 13, the context of it is that David is uh, being pursued by King Saul, an insecure leader who uh, had David in the crosshairs of his jealous eye, and he was pursuing him across the the backside of the, uh, the desert, so to speak. He's hiding out. He's on the run. He has some honest questions for God. And um, spoiler alert for you, Psalm 13, it begins with a series of honest questions, but it ends in a very beautiful way. Uh, the questions are beautiful, and the resolution is equally beautiful. This is how Psalm 13 ends, okay? Spoiler alert. Here it is. But I will trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing of the Lord's praise, for he has been good to me. That's how he ends Psalm 13. I'm going to say that one more time. But I will trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing of the Lord's praise, for he has been good to me. That's how the psalm ends, and here's how it begins. How long, Lord? Ever been there? How long, Lord? Will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? Look on me and answer, Lord my God. Give light to my eyes or I will sleep in death. And my enemy will say, I have overcome him. And my foes will rejoice when I fall. 
but I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing the Lord's praise, for he has been good to me. Don't you love Psalm 13? I just had to pause there at a certain point because there are things that come up for me when I read that psalm. And maybe there are some things that come up for you when you consider those honest questions from David. Honest questions can lead to a quiet confidence. So three thoughts for you this morning, for us this morning, including me. The honest questions that we have for God, and I want to kind of address four of them. The first one is... um, Why do we have to wait so long? How long, Lord? Waiting is one of the hardest things in the world to do, isn't it? As we get older, um, it's supposed to get a little bit easier because patience and maturity go together, right? When we're young children, we struggle with patience and the waiting seems overwhelming. To wait for two or three minutes for something that we're excited about. Christmas Eve was painfully long, wasn't it, as children? But as we get older, the waiting just changes, right? Maybe it's the young expectant mother. That third trimester is painfully long. Or maybe it's that unemployed person waiting for that call after the interview. Or maybe it's waiting for the medical report. All sorts of things are swirling around our head and heart. And a day can feel like a week, and a week can feel like a month. Waiting can be incredibly hard. Here is an important principle to remember. This will serve us well. While we are waiting, God is working. While we are waiting, God is working. There is a time for everything, Solomon recorded in Ecclesiastes 3, and a season for every activity under the heavens. We just don't like to wait. But waiting is a big part of the Christian faith. We've actually been waiting for 2,000 years for Jesus to come back. On Saturday, the Christian community waits between Good Friday and Easter Sunday. We are invited by the Spirit of God to be still and know that he is God. Psalm 46, verse 10. We wait for our deliverance. We wait for our healing. We wait for provision. We wait for reconciliation. We wait for whatever it is that God wants to give us in his time and in his way. But waiting is incredibly hard. And David said, how long, Lord? How long must I be on the run from this king who's abusing his power and is overcome by jealousy and chasing me down on the backside of the desert? How long? Second question, will you forget your children? How long will you ignore us? When David is on the run from King Saul, he says, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? Have you ever had that experience where you think that it's possible that God perhaps has forgotten you? Because of everything that's going on in your life, and as you look back over your shoulder, you see the evidence mounting that if God is good and God is strong and God loves us, for some reason, something's not adding up. 
because God doesn't seem to remember. Do you remember a couple of weeks ago, we talked about how the biblical idea of remembrance has something correlated around action. God doesn't seem to be acting. He seems like he's forgotten me. Seems like he's folded his arms, sat on the chair, slumbering himself to sleep, and has overlooked my plight. Right. So we bring our complaints and our laments. This is the honest side of faith. In some circles, you won't hear this kind of preaching teaching very often because in some subcultures within the Christian community, we are forever and always on the victory side, right? I love victory, and maybe some of you are living in the victory lane right now, but others of you feel like you are limping along and you can't even see the finish line and you're not sure you're going to get there. This is David. He felt forgotten. He's in good company, because even Jesus himself, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why have you given up on me? Why have you turned your face away from me? Where are you in my darkest moment? Are you comfortable offering up those kinds of prayers to God? They're uncomfortable prayers because we're conflicted. We know the right answer because we can go to the last verse of Psalm 13 and say, how dare I go to verses 1 and 2 when I know the final verse of the psalm? You don't get sometimes to the final verse of the psalm until you go through the first couple of verses. This is what I'm trying to advocate for today. Don't skim over the questions and the complaints. Don't ignore or resign from the holy vocation of lamenting because there is no authentic, sincere, vibrant, growing faith unless we go there first. The story is multifaceted for us. Pain is part of the experience of the Christian. And if we deny it, the world says, you're not living in reality. And if we acknowledge it, we position ourselves for some beautiful work of the Spirit in our lives. But it's one of the hardest things to do. But I believe the Spirit is actually saying to us, Come and sit with me in your pain and don't rush the process. Wait with me. Healing will come. For every person in this room today, this is, this is true. Your best life is in front of you, not behind you. Every person in this room. And that doesn't mean that you'll have more money in the future, your body will be healthier. That's not what I mean. But if you've put your saving faith in Jesus... As you move forward in your life, guess what's happening? You are getting closer and closer to that threshold, which is not to be feared or to be um, shrunk back from, but to step in with confidence. Because when we are with God on the other side, we are living our best life. So your best life is in front of you. And I can pretty much promise you this too, there's some pain in front of you too. That is part of the process that God uses to prepare you for what's coming next. I, I met with somebody recently who just shared so much wisdom with me, and I think I may have shared it before, but they just said something. I'm not even sure they realized how much wisdom was coming from them, but they just said there is purpose in the pain. It's like, yep, there is purpose in the pain. Well said, and they said it from a painful place. Are you with me today? Okay, good stuff. Um, David's not the only one. The people of God, ready? Isaiah 49. David feels forgotten. The people of God have felt forgotten. This is what's recorded in Isaiah. But Zion said, the Lord has forsaken me. The Lord has forgotten me. And then here's what God says. 
Here we go, right? We fast forward. We get to the end. Can a mother forget the baby at her breast and have no compassion on the child she has born? Though she may forget, I will not forget you. See, I have engraved you on the palms of my hands. Your walls, the walls of Jerusalem, are ever before me. Both of those things are beautiful. I feel forgotten. That's fully human. Oh, God redirects my thinking. This is the nature of our one true God who will never forget us and never forsake us. Feeling forgotten and being forgotten are not the same thing. We may feel forgotten, but the truth is that God will not forget his own. And he will always act on our behalf and always for our best. Even though the clouds roll in and the sun is blocked for a little while, God is working while we are waiting. Emotions are meant to be experienced, not denied. Honest questions can lead us to a quiet confidence. But always remember, just because we feel it doesn't mean it's anchored in a fact. Feelings are not to be denied. They're to be um, embraced. They're to be understood. They're to be named. They're to be felt. But then we examine them. And we say, is there evidence to support how I'm feeling? And the truth of God's word today is that you and I may feel forgotten, but we are not forgotten. Amen to that? All right, two more questions, and then we'll carry on here. When will the sorrow pass and the healing come? When will the sorrow pass and the healing come? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts? This is beautiful stuff. How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? David is pointing us to losses. Losses are real and they're painful. They come in all sorts of different sizes. Sometimes it's the loss of somebody that we have to stand at a graveside and say goodbye to or bye for now. Other times it's an employment opportunity or a dream or some sort of pursuit we have in our own hearts. They come in different sizes, but losses are real and they take their toll on us. And I love the way scripture integrates these things. Feelings of being forgotten are connected to the thoughts that David is thinking. Thoughts always precede feelings, emotions. We are thinking, feeling creatures. And people of faith wrestle with their thoughts. I do. I wrestle with my thoughts. Sometimes my thoughts come to me, and sometimes they stick to me, and they don't always have my best interest in mind. But I am entitled, enti invited to play the role of the observer with the help of the Spirit to look at my thoughts and either receive or reject, and, and they will help me. But the Scripture is very, very clear here that we are thinking, feeling creatures, and people of faith wrestle with their thoughts. Uh, Psalm 30. Weeping may stay for the night, but rejoicing comes in the morning. Have you had that experience before? The dark night of the soul seems to go on and on and on, and it seems like a never-ending night. But all of a sudden, in God's timing and through a due process, all of a sudden, ah, I can see again. I understand that I'm in the land of the living. I've had a glimpse of the fact that God is good, as David has at the end of Psalm 13. And so uh, one last question, and then we'll, we'll move forward. Why do the bad people win so often? Have you ever wondered? Why do the bad people win so often? Psalm 73, let me read this. Surely God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. But as for me, David says, my feet had almost slipped. I had nearly lost my foothold, for I envied the arrogant. And when I saw the prosperity of the wicked, 
They have no struggles. Their bodies are healthy and strong. They're free from common human burdens. They're not plagued by human ills. Therefore, pride, he says, is their necklace. They clothe themselves with violence. From their callous hearts comes iniquity. Their evil imaginations have no limits. They scoff and speak with malice. With arrogance, they threaten oppression. Their mouths lay claim to heaven, and their tongues take possession of the earth. Therefore, their people turn to them and drink up waters in abundance. They say, how would God know? Does the Most High know anything? David's saying, when I see how the wicked live and how they have abandoned the ways of God and they're just moving recklessly along their path, they seem like everything goes right for them. And they even say, God who? Apparently, his ways matter. Well, not to me. Life's working out just fine for me. And they show disdain, and they reject the ways of God. And they prosper, and they do well, and things seem to really go well for them. And David has this moment where he asks himself the same question. He's saying, why do the bad people win so often? And it's only to verse 16 and 17. See the process? David's lamenting. He's being honest about how he feels. And then something shifts in David. He says, when I tried to understand all this, verse 16, it troubled me deeply. Till I entered the sanctuary of God, then I understood their final destiny. He's honest. David is brutally honest. He's saying, how come it always goes well for the wicked? And then he says, oh, I had a revelation. I went to worship with God's people. I was in the temple. I was in the tabernacle. I was in God's space. And I saw things differently. I recognize that there is a God of justice, that there is a God who rights wrongs. And things made more sense for David. Instead of denying it, he owned it, and he moved through it, and he had a quiet confidence about his own faith. All right, two more thoughts for us to consider today. Second one is this. We need outside help to see more clearly. Um... Some experiences of life can be so overwhelmingly challenging that we literally can feel like we're losing our way. The trouble that comes with life, the confusion and complexity, the um, overwhelming sense that we might be alone in our thoughts, the way we thought our life would go doesn't go anywhere close to resembling what we thought life would look like? Life doesn't go the way we want it to go, does it? Has that been your experience? Man, I thought this would turn out differently. And yet, here I am. What is God up to in my life right now? Because I didn't see this one coming. David prayed in Psalm 13, give light to my eyes because I can't see what's coming next. Give light to my eyes. When the darkness is all around us and we're just trying to find our way forward, we pray, give light to my eyes. In the middle of the questioning, which can feel overwhelming because they're honest and they come from somewhere, all of a sudden we say, God, if you don't give me some outside perspective, I'm going to lose my way. And that's what David does. David says, you're going to have to show up 
and provide some light for me. So finding our way forward requires an external perspective. P and I went on this whirlwind road trip on Friday morning, uh, Joe and Heather Panlaresco, thankfully they were our guides. We followed them down uh, to New Brunswick and then we went on to PEI and uh, it was an adventure of, I don't know how many hours of driving, something like 36 hours of driving in four days for a wedding for a friend of, of mine. And then we had a chance to reconnect with Joe and Heather. But when we left New Brunswick, there's this road that's, um, it's, it's a road, but it, <laughs> um, it's an interesting road. And it goes on and on and on, actually. And um, we had traveled it once before, about a decade or so ago, so we kind of remembered it. And, uh, but we were warned that um, load up your GPS because you're going to have no cell signal while you're there. And it goes on, like, I think 150K or something. It's one of those roads. So P and I are, um, <laughs> we're chronically checking our phone to see are we getting a signal, are we getting a signal. But we uploaded our GPS before we left, which was a really good idea. Because once you upload your GPS, even if you lose signal, it's still there for you, right? And it can help you find your way. The preloaded GPS is what we do when the times are good. It's we, we familiarize ourselves with the ways of God. We read scripture. We gather with God's people for worship. We join Christian communities. We, we build spiritual relationships and friendships with the people of God. And we strengthen ourselves in his ways and with his people. We open ourselves to the work of the Spirit. We get ourselves oriented around our direction so that when we lose signal or it feels like we've lost signal because the darkness is thick, right? You know where I'm going with this. We can find our way. If we don't become familiar with the ways of God, when the darkness gets thickest, we are most vulnerable. We're most vulnerable anyway when the darkness gets thickest. But we need to familiarize ourselves with the ways of God. And so this is why we say at King Street, keep your nose in the good book. Get a reading plan. Read God's word. Be consistent. Let his word wash over you. Read it responsibly. Apply it with the help of the Spirit and God's people. And then when it's hard, we can move forward together. David, give light to my eyes or I will sleep in death. And my enemy will say I have overcome him. And my foes will rejoice when I fall. Do you remember that experience? Those of you who are new to the Bible, just hang on here. Uh, David is being pursued by Saul, and he's running for his life, and he's got a band of brothers or friends that are with him. And he has this moment when it appears that God has given his enemy into his hands. And David crawls in like a stealth soldier, and he trims just the edge of King Saul's garment but he could have taken him out. He had his opportunity. And if David hadn't been immersed in the ways of God, he may have taken out the king. But David comes back conscience-stricken that he had even touched the hem of King Saul's garment. Because the ways of God were not just in a book, the ways of God had gotten into his spirit and into his mind. And when he was tempted the most to do the wrong thing, he did the right thing. And so we are people who need to recognize that we need light or else we'll 
we won't find our way through the darkness. Your word, Psalm 119, is a lamp for my feet and a light for my path, and we do well to access it on a regular basis. Okay, we're going to wrap up with one last thought, and it's a brief one. Here it is. Honest questions can shift our hearts toward a quiet confidence. On the other side of an honest question is the opportunity for a deeper and more authentic faith. Now, the difference between honest questions and cynical questions is that one comes from a seeking heart while the other comes from a skeptical heart. David is asking honest questions. If you are a cynic or a skeptic here today, we're glad you're here. And our prayer for you would be, ask the cynical questions. Ask the skeptical questions. And one day they may bleed over. Not that they're not honest, by the way. They're honest. You're just coming from a place of, I don't know, and I have a vantage point, and I'm debating that. I'm taking issue with that. Because I don't know if I can trust that God that everybody seems to be talking about here today. So cynicism and skepticism, if that's where you find yourself today, say yes to that. That's where you are. And recognize that that has come from somewhere. Probably hurt. Probably some sort of experience along the way that has been problematic for you. And if I walked a mile in your shoes, I'd probably have very similar questions and come from a very similar perspective. So no judgment. We're allowed to have whatever quality of question we have. David is not coming from a cynical, skeptical point of view. He's coming from a I don't get it point of view. But he's leaning in with honesty. You know the difference, don't you, between somebody who doesn't want to get it and is taking issue with everything versus somebody who wants to get it, but they're struggling with some issues along the way? There's a slight difference in the questioning and how that, how that gets played out. And the end, right? We've already talked about this, but I just love the end so much. But I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing the Lord's praise, for he has been good to me. How long, Lord? He's been good to me. How come the wicked always prosper? He's been good to me. Right? All of these questions are honest ones, but they take him somewhere. So two last thoughts. Here they are. God's love for us becomes more obvious when we ask honest questions and move through them. And we celebrate God's salvation, healing, and his goodness. And we have an eye on now and an eye on what's coming next. And there's more to the story than what we're experiencing today. God is working while we are waiting. Amen to that. Amen, Amen to that. So, Lord, thank you today that we are here with you together. And thank you, God, for the plethora of questions that we could be asking today. And many of us have some big ones. Some of us have complaint. Some of us are living in the realm of thanksgiving and gratitude. Lord, some of us have a song of praise to sing. Others of us have a hard time opening our lips to sing because we feel crushed by the challenges of life. Lord, we are all in this together. And thanks be to God that you are with us. And so, um, Lord, would you help us wait patiently for what's next? Would you help us to work with you in whatever it is you would have us to work while we wait? Would you help us, God, to be the kinds of people who move through the whole psalm, starting with honest questions and moving toward declarations of your goodness and your salvation and your love? And when we feel like we're stuck or stalled and the darkness is too thick, would you help us, God, to somehow access 
perspective from outside of ourselves. Thank you for spiritual friendships, God, for people who come alongside us and help us with godly wisdom. Thank you for your word that never fails. Thank you for your spirit's presence who will never leave us. Thank you that the spirit of Jesus is at home in the church and he will never, ever step out of the church, out of the people of God. You're at the very center of our experience and we give praise and thanksgiving to you for that. Holy Spirit, would you make us wise people who make friends with where we find ourselves today, leaning into what's coming next, but not denying it, not running away from it, saying yes to it, and then looking for your hand in the middle of it. Lord, we love you, we honor you, we give ourselves to you. I especially pray for the person today, Lord, where the darkness has become overwhelmingly thick. Lord, it's a tough place to be when you're in the dark night of the soul. And we pray that you would help the light to come. We pray that you would open up hearts and minds to discern and detect that you are closer, closer than we can even imagine. You're with us in the darkness. And we thank you for that. We pray this in the name of God, who is forever Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.